Welcome to Antelope Road Christian Fellowship. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For service times or to join a disciple group, please visit myarcf.com. My name is Conrad. I'm the youth pastor here at Antelope Road Christian Fellowship, and I am eager with you uh, to share a message that God has had it for me, and now he has it for you because here you are. Here we are. Uh, first, uh, I, I'd like to ask our ushers to hand out some Bibles. If you don't have a Bible and you need one, uh, you can raise your hand and they will bring it to you. So such service. It's really just amazing. Thank you, guys. Um, and I said if you need a Bible, uh, raise your hand. If you don't have a Bible at home, that, that Bible they're handing uh, you is yours now. You can have that. Um, uh, and we're going to be in Luke chapter 7, and in that hardback, Black Bible is page 858. Um, I'm really excited. Today's going to be great. I can't wait to share with you. But before um, I, I dive straight in, um, I want to pause for a moment and pray. So if you don't mind praying with me, let's do that. Uh, Lord God, I thank you. Uh, just for this morning, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for uh, your love for us, for your life. Um, uh, Lord, the life that you give us. Um, jo- oh God, we are just uh, joyfully um, wanting to seek after you, Lord. I pray today that you would um, be turning all of our hearts and our minds towards you, God. That you would be opening our eyes to see new truth about who you are, God. Um, because there is so much... To understand about you, Lord. We don't have a chance. We don't stand a chance to know everything about you, Lord. But today I ask that you would help us to just know a little bit more, God. To know you a little bit more. To not just know about you. To know you, God. Um, so, Lord, as we open your word, as we, as we read, as we consider, as we pray, Lord, I ask that you would draw us near to you, Lord. Um, like, like your sheep, Lord. That you would be shepherd, shepherding us, Lord. Gathering your flock. God, would you um, help us to um, listen to your voice and hear what you are saying, God. And I ask that you would help me to put aside my uh, presuppositions about uh, what it is that you are trying to say, God. Um, I ask that you would just speak through me, Lord. We love you. We pray all of this for your glory and in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so yeah, we're going to be in Luke chapter 7. Uh, that's going to be really exciting. But before we get there, um, I just was wondering, does um, does 2020, does that feel like a waste to anyone? No. Did, did it feel like uh, there was just so much garbage in the year that the whole year itself was garbage? I think, uh, oh, there we go, yeah, yeah. Did 2020 feel like a waste? Because uh, I, don't, I don't need to preach about what this year has meant um, First of all, because everyone had a different experience. Everyone, you know, it, it, has had, it has been a devastating year for some. It has been a confusing and complicating year for others. Um, it has opened up a lot of opportunities for other people. Um, so everyone's had their own experience. But the other reason I don't need to preach about it is because you all just lived it. Um, so it, it, it is your experience. Um, I don't got to preach about that. Um, but... Even so, I simply just want to pause for a moment and reflect on our thoughts and our feelings towards um, the events that happened in our lives uh, this year. 
Uh, my question is, what did I learn from 2020 um, about myself, about life, about community, about the world? What did I learn? So I just want to pause and maybe you need to like mentally go through the months of the year and what did happen all of this year. But just let's just pause for a couple of seconds and just think about that. What have I learned this year from 2020? As much as uh, this year has kind of felt like a, like a throwaway, like it's just kind of, well, it's over and we're moving on, so let's, let's get past it. Um, especially like in school for teachers and students, <laughs> it has felt like, it's just like, did I even learn anything? <laughs> All I learned how to do was uh, log into Zoom and then not actually attend, <laughs> like turn off my camera and my, and my microphone and just like sit on my phone. Um, uh, there still is value that what we've walked through. Uh, this, is, this is a good phrase here. Don't waste the pain. Don't waste the pain. If you went through pain, don't waste it. Uh, if you have felt, if when you were reflecting on 2020, if you felt anger and rage inside of you, um, God is most likely prompting you towards loving forgiveness. Um, if you felt grief and loss, this year, God might be leading you towards trusting him and contentment and even empathy to be able to reach out to other people who are hurting and who have experienced loss. loss. If you felt um, confusion and apathy this year, God could be ushering you towards a new level of authenticity and, and knowing your feelings and yourself and, and also relying on him and trusting him. If you've been stressed and overwhelmed this last year, God might be bringing you towards true Sabbath rest uh, and, and believing in him for peace instead of striving and spinning your wheels and hoping that something comes from it. But whatever the pain that you've suffered this year, uh, don't miss out on the healing and the growth lesson that God is trying to, uh, to give you. Uh, it would be like if you went to the doctor because uh, you're a carpenter, just for a moment, and you were hammering a nail, and you, you know, hammered a nail right into your finger, and you went to the doctor to get the, the nail removed <laughs> from your finger. Don't show up next year for the same problem. Don't, don't come back to that same doctor, and he's like, oh, you again. <laughs> Which finger is it now? Did you, did you hammer it into the same one? Or? Uh, no, if that happens, take some time to reflect and refine your hammering technique. <laughs> Maybe you hold the nail differently. Um, yeah, anything else, <laughs> please. Maybe use a nail gun instead, actually. Um, but, but just because you experience pain doesn't mean you avoid that, that same thing, right? That, that's, a, that's a natural response from us. They just say, well, that hurt, so I'm not going to do that anymore. But no, we have an opportunity to, ref to reflect and, and to refine how we respond um, to things. Don't waste 2020 because 2020 was not a waste. But you may still feel like 2020 didn't matter. I understand. Uh, it's, been, it's been weird. It's been difficult. 
So my question to you is, do you want 2021 to matter? This is also the title of the message today. Do you want 2021 to matter? Or would you like it to feel just like March of this last year with a million canceled events and pure confusion? (laughs) Or do you want it to matter? Um, And the good news for you today is that I have a surefire way to ensure that 2021 will be of utmost importance for you. That's right. Just three easy payments of $19.99. No. Uh, But truly, it's just two steps. It's just two steps, and it's a surefire plan. I know you're saying, Conrad, it can't be that simple, and it is that simple. It is straightforward. It it is beautiful. It is easy. No, it's not easy. It's not easy, but it's it's simple. It's straightforward. It's really just two main steps. Are you guys ready for two main steps? Our first step, boom. Step one, recognize your sin. <sighs> Man, <laughs> why did it have to be such a difficult first step? This is the, this is the tough thing to, to, to turn around and to face everything that, that I... That I uh, um, but this might be turning some wheels inside of your mind. And you're just like, okay, recognize my sin. Well, what is sin, huh? What is sin? That's a great question. It's a great question. What is sin? Uh, I grew up in church, mostly here, since, since kindergarten. I worked my way from, you know, the, the, t- the toddler rooms all the way to the big kids' rooms, all the way to, to the, the youth group, and, and then to here. I, I made it. Um, but growing up in church and with Christian parents, no one exactly told me uh, exactly what, or, sorry, sorry. No one explained sin to me this way, but I assumed some definitions of sin myself. First of all, sin is disobeying God, right? We see in, in Genesis 3, Adam and Eve are instructed by God and uh, just straight up disobey him. So, okay, well, that, that's sin. But then I also kind of established these other definitions of sin within myself that's a list of things not to do. Here's the list, and just avoid these activities. Um, it also, you know, is often referred to as a law. Here, here's this code, but um, I don't know about you, but I don't spend time studying uh, American civil law. Like, I, I don't, I don't, that's not a, a hobby of mine. I don't have the law code flipping through. Like, I, I do, I do read this scripture here and this law, but, but it's different. Um, the, but, but just because there's a bunch of rules that I'm supposed to follow doesn't mean that I study the law, but that's kind of how sin felt to me, this, this list of things. Um, and another thing is a checklist of, of what have you done, what haven't you done. I found this online and it practically broke my heart of like, what sins have you committed? What spiritual sins have you um, committed? And, and I don't want to say that all of these things are totally uh, wrong. That uh, is sin a list of things not to do? Is it a law? Is it a checklist? I mean, yeah, that, that's true, but it's just incomplete. It is lacking. Um, and I grew up for most of my life assuming this is what sin was. Just saying, well, you know, uh, I, I have fewer check marks on my box this year than last year, so I'm getting better. Um, but uh, another thing that people talk about with sin 
is, is archery. Um, in the Bible, they, they talked about the, the, the slingshot archers who they could aim at a hare and they wouldn't miss. They wouldn't sin. Um, and the word uh, hamartia, it, it means to miss the mark. And so people say, well, if you're aiming for a bullseye, how, however far away you are from the bullseye is how much you miss um, the mark. And, and I like this definition too, but, but then it also still puts me on this trajectory of I'm, I'm aiming for perfection. I'm aiming for this target, and if I miss it, then, then I've sinned. Um, again, true, but a little bit incomplete. Uh, but what does Jesus say about sin? I want to look at one specific example. You probably already, already have your Bible turned there. Um, but Jesus refers to sin as debt. So we're going to look at a short parable that Jesus says in Luke chapter 7, verses 41 through 43. It's a, it's a really, it's probably the shortest parable Jesus says. It's just, you know, a couple of short lines, a couple of characters. Um, so, so here it is. Verses 41 through 43. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one, 50 pieces to the other. But neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose would love him more after that? Simon answered, "Uh, I suppose the one whom he canceled the larger debt That's right, Jesus said. Jesus talks about sin as a debt. A debt. And if you have been forgiven of a great debt, then you love the forgiver more. If you've been forgiven of a small debt, then you forgive less. So here's a question. Um, If sin is a debt, do you think you were forgiven of the larger debt or the smaller debt? And if you're a Christian, you know to answer the larger debt. (laughs) I have been forgiven of the larger debt. But your behavior will tell the truth of which debt you have been, uh, you think you've been forgiven of. Have I been forgiven of the big one or the small one? It all depends on what you do. Uh, And and I'm sorry I lied to you. I I tricked you a little bit just for a moment. Uh, We're actually going to read the the, the whole section here. 15 verses instead of just three. because we read this parable that Jesus tells, we read it out of context. So we're going to put it right in its context um, and read this story. And this is our main passage for today. It says in verse 36, One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She is a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two peoples, 500 pieces of silver to one, 50 pieces to the other. But neither of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. 
Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash my feet, uh, to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Jesus talks about sin as a debt. So, is the question about this this parable, are you a Pharisee or are you a prostitute? Is that that what, what Jesus is asking here? Is he saying that the only people who can truly be forgiven of sins are those who have done really bad things? If that's the case, then... Uh, I have some, some uh, you know, activities for us. To, <laughs> I, I, brought, I brought all of these things. <laughs> Sinful activities. Ah, oh, throw out drugs and alcohol. It's going to be great. Um, no, that's not, that's not the point. That's not the point. But it's not about being a Pharisee or being a prostitute. It's, it's a, it's, there are two types of people is what Jesus is saying. There are those who are bowing at Jesus' feet, and there are those who are not. You're either bowing at his feet, or you're not. Do you recognize that he has forgiven you of immeasurable debt? Or do you think that he just helped you out in a pinch? Because there are tons of people in the world, and this dinner party that Jesus has had, it's, it's not that big. <laughs> it's not that big. So there are some Pharisees there. There are probably some of his disciples. There's this woman but then there's also people that weren't even invited to this party. There, there's tons. So he's, he's not just saying, like, well, you either have to be a Pharisee or this immoral woman. But Jesus is making a point to say, this woman recognizes that I have forgiven her of her sins. And she recognizes that her sins are many, are vast. The Pharisee, however, he doesn't think he's been forgiven of that much. If Jesus came to the world and said, your sins are forgiven, this Pharisee says, "Ah, thank you, because I actually did forget to tithe this week, so I appreciate that you have forgiven me of that. You've got my back. Thanks. And then he goes on living. But this woman says, my sins are forgiven? The debt that I had, you have forgiven me? Are you sure? She bows at his feet. Another thing that, that helps to shift my perspective on sin is a book by C.S. Lewis called The Great Divorce. Um, I picked it up thinking it was going to be a marriage book. 
Uh, it's kind of right, but, but it's about man and God. It's, it's not about man and woman. Um, but the premise of the book is that a man who is in hell gets a bus ride to heaven, and if he wants to stay, he can. Lots of people actually get the bus ride, but it focuses on this one character. And they have a pretty basic definition. Is C.S. Lewis, you know, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Tons of beautiful works. He's a creative mind. He, he, he gets this definition, this basic definition of, of the difference between heaven and hell. Hell being a, a place where people are, getting, are, are constantly growing further and further apart and smaller and smaller. They've got their little social club, and they're becoming more and more isolated, and they're loving it. They're enjoying the, the us for no more kind of life. Um, but heaven is a place where people are constantly growing bigger and bigger and closer and closer together. Um, and that kind of got me thinking about sin as separation. Sin as, as a distance. Sin as a space. And uh, so I, I want to give you this little... Oh, oh man, I even forgot about that. Luke 15, this is another place. Ah, oh, so beautiful because uh, it's the prodigal son, which I looked up what prodigal mean, uh, meant because I didn't know. Um, but it is like reckless spending. I was like, oh, that's exactly what he does. That's right. The prodigal son. But then there's also the older brother in this story. There is, uh, and, and it's exactly what Jesus is talking about with the, the immoral woman and the Pharisee. Where, yes, there's this son who has gone out, gone out and spent everything and has been far away from his father, but has been received back, and there's great rejoicing, and the son and the father are close, close again. But then there's the older brother who has always been there, and he's upset with his father. He won't even go into the party. He won't even, he, he's not even going to step foot because he is upset. He's frustrated. Um, and so this has helped me to, to understand the, the difference between this physical closeness and sin. The older brother has always been right there with his father, but yet he doesn't feel the same closeness that the prodigal son does. So it's got me on this, on this understanding of sin as, as distance, repentance, and holiness. Um, and my explanation starts with a personal story. Um, not too long ago, I lived at home. I... Uh, was a terrible college student, and I was working at uh, Jamba Juice, and um, I was I was lazy. I'm not going to say I'm not lazy now, but I was definitely more lazy then and uh, misguided. Um, so I pretty much had one main responsibility at the house. I had a few, but my one main re- responsibility was the lawn to make sure it was looking nice and and orderly. And that often got out of hand because, like I said, I was lazy. Um, and, and I would often work a closing shift at Jamba Juice, which sometimes was only 4 p.m. to 9.30. Not even that bad. Um, but so I, I would have this struggle where I, I wouldn't have enough time to mow the lawn because I would wake up at 3 o'clock uh, in the afternoon and, and, <laughs> and then, like, okay, I've got about an hour to watch TV play video games, and then I doze off, and then I look at the clock, and it's 4.20, or it's like 3.25, and I've got, I've got or feet 3.52, whatever. i got to go. i got to get to work. Um, and I get there. It's, it's 4 o'clock. I come home. It's 9.30, and uh, my dad's on the couch, and he's watching the Giants game. Uh, I love to sit down and watch the Giants game with my dad. 
Uh, baseball is an okay sport, if you want to call it that. <laughs> it's, it's great. I love, I love baseball, but for me, it's all about sitting down and talking with people. If I go to a game, I would never go to a game alone. That's not my gig. But I would go to a game with people. I would sit down and watch a game with people. That's fun. Because um, I could just get to talk with them. It's one of my favorite ways to spend time with my dad. Um, especially at that time. But so I'd come home and be like, oh, the Giants are on. Awesome. And I'd just plop down on the couch right next to my dad. I'm like, how are they doing, dad? And he's like, oh, I mean, they're, they're doing okay. Hey, you forgot to mow the lawn. I'm like, oh, you are right. It is very long. I'm sorry. I just, I, uh, I just forgot. I didn't have, I didn't make time for it. I, let me go. I'm going to go do it right now. I'm going to go mow it. And my dad would be like, it, it's dark. It's 930. Don't mow it now. And I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll do it tomorrow. He's like, he's like okay. <laughs> and he says, okay, you'll do it tomorrow. Okay. And then I'm sitting there watching the game. But then I, I, even though I'm sitting right next to my dad, I still feel miles apart. I just feel this, this uncomfortableness that, ah, man, there's this thing that I'm supposed to do, and I can't even take care of it right now. I'm just stuck. And, and I'm, I'm even in the same room as him, but just this, ah. And so even though I am physically close, I feel so far away. And, and so, so if, if God is right here, right here at this podium, my sin is the steps that I take away from him. The sins, my sin is the steps that I'm taking away from him. And, and just like with my dad, even though I could be right there, I could be at church, I could be reading my scripture, I might still be taking steps away from him. Uh, and repentance, repentance is, that, uh, is a word that means turn around, about face. So repentance is turning around. And when I turn around, I see the face of my father. Not only that, I also see the distance and the gap between him and I. I see the sin. I see all of it. That's what, that's what this first step is. I said step one is to recognize your sin. Recognizing your sin means you turn around and you look at it and you see it. And you see it for what it really is. You see, you see the tragedy. You see the look in your father's eye, eyes who is heartbroken that his son is not near to him. And then I'm stuck here like the debtor. Like Jesus was talking about sin as a debt. I'm stuck here with a debt that I have no ability to repay. I am a lost cause. As a debtor, I can't forgive my own debt. <laughs> the only thing I can do is pay it off. But if I don't have any money, I, I can't pay it off. And that's where I am right here. No money to pay it off. It takes the, the one that the debt is owed to. They have to be the one to forgive if, if the forgiveness is going to happen. And if he forgives me and he, if he invites me in and draws me close, these steps that I take back to him, that's holiness. Holiness isn't something I can do for myself. Holiness is something that God calls me to as I draw, as he draws me back near to himself. But, <laughs> so with the example uh, in our passage of, of the immoral woman and the Pharisee, the immoral woman knows that she's not even right over here. She's at McDonald's. She's, <laughs> she knows she's way, way over there, and she knows that the gap has been closed. 
she knows that she has been drawn near again. The Pharisee thinks he's right here. He thinks he's right here. But the problem is he doesn't, he doesn't even recognize his sin. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, thanks. Thanks, thanks for that. I appreciate that. And now I'm close again, I guess. Thanks. But if the, if the Pharisee would turn around and recognize his sin, he would, he would know he's just, a, just as far away as the immoral woman. He would know he's just as far away. If you're a Christian, you know that like, the moment you become a Christian is when you realize that you were far away and you were lost. You were without hope. And someone who is God and also man, his name's Jesus, he paid a price. He created a way to invite me close to the Father again. And when I become a Christian is when I see it and when I accept that and I say, yes, I, 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 I receive that forgiveness for myself. Because Jesus died for the forgiveness of sins for, for everybody. But not everyone chooses him. Because some people still have their back towards him. Some people haven't repented, haven't turned to see the mess that's, that's between them. So step number one is to recognize your sin. To recognize it. Okay, so we're halfway through. Halfway through. We, we made it through step one. Step two is to pray. Step two is to pray. If you're a Christian, you're probably not shocked. Maybe you didn't know exactly what step was going to be. Step two was going to be, but you're not shocked that it's prayer. It sounds just about right. You probably would have guessed it was prayer, reading the Bible, or going to church. <laughs> and it's prayer, so. So you were, you were on it. Um, but similarly, you might be kind of having some wheels turn in your head and say, like, what is prayer? Because we all kind of, we know what prayer is. It's talking with God. It's, it's you know, I, I, I'm going to sleep. I kneel by my bedside, and, and I... I talk to God, and I tell him what's on my heart, I tell him what's on my mind, I, I tell him what I need help with, I, I ask him for these things, that, that's, I agree, that's, that's part of what prayer is. Uh, by the way, if you have questions about what prayer is, that is one of the, the best parts about a disciple group. <laughs> this isn't, I'm not trying to do too much of a commercial, but I'm a, I'm a part of a disciple group at my cousin Steve's house, and, and uh, we get to pray together. Um, and, and we get to live out the Christian faith together in a small group and, and actually live life next to each other. Um, and when you have questions about what the Christian life looks like, you, you get to observe it happening around you, and you get to apply that to yourself. Uh, disciple groups are great. I'm just saying, there's a sign table over there. You should think about it. Um, but prayer... Although this is a picture of what prayer might look like, it also might be waiting, you know, sitting at a table, just waiting, twiddling your thumbs. Um, it's a good picture of what prayer might be, but it's, it's incomplete. Again, it's just part of it. Because prayer is about way more than just heaving up words to heaven. It's about more than just, oh, I just got to send some prayers up. Um, 
prayer is about abiding and dwelling with our Father. Prayer is about being close to Him. Prayer is a whole lot more about God working on my heart than me telling God what I want. <laughs> it's about God working inside of me. Prayer is this whole process of repentance and holiness, where He draws me near. He turns me around and He draws me near. But I can only truly pray if, if I have my ears open, if I have my eyes open to see what God wants to say to me. Um, the Pharisees, they prayed all the time, but it's kind of like they prayed with their ears close. <laughs> they had their ears plugged, and they're like, God, I, I, I have some things I need to say to you. But they, they weren't listening as much. <laughs> they, they read the scripture. They, they knew it so well, but they, they weren't ready to hear what God, what God was saying. Jesus said this all the time when, when he was talking about his, or when he was giving parables. He would give a really cryptic parable and then he would say to his audience, those who have ears, let them hear. Like, what do you mean I have ears? Everyone's got ears. Most people have ears. But if you have ears, let, let them hear. So do you have ears to hear the voice of God? Or are your ears closed? Or are your spiritual ears malfunctioning somehow? Have I closed them? I, haven't, I need to open them. I need to open them. Prayer is about abiding and dwelling in the presence of God. Of God, Prayer is about having an open heart towards God um, and, and what he wants to say to you and what he wants to guide you towards. Have an open heart towards that. I was looking for a picture of an open heart, but um, all I got was surgery. And I didn't, didn't want to show that picture. Um, but are you willing to hear? Are you willing to draw close? Are you, are you willing to change when God speaks to you? But if I'm, if I'm already ignoring from the beginning, what am I expecting to hear? If I've already got my back towards him, what am I expecting to see? You're not going to see anything. You're not going to see anything. But if you want 2021 to really matter, I'm telling you, recognize your sin and pray. So how do we pray? Luckily, Jesus tells us a whole lot about how to pray. Literally, he says, when you pray, pray like this. <laughs> and then not only that, not only does he talk about it a lot, we get to watch him. We get to see in the scriptures how Jesus prays. What does he do? If Jesus is God, why does he even need to pray? Like, he's already abiding with him. He's already one with God. Why would he need to communicate with God? But it's about more than just talking with him. It's about being with him. It's about being a part of what God has it's about being in his presence. So Jesus was praying all the time. Um, but Jesus tells us how to pray in, in Matthew chapter 6. Um, he, he gives the Lord's Prayer, but before that, he gives us a couple of clues. <laughs> he says, when you pray, don't pray out on the street corner. If you pray out loud on the street corner, you're going to get a reward. But the problem is that your reward is going to be the fact that people heard you. And that's it. Your reward is going to be a reputation of people saying, Oh, he's a really godly man. He was praying on the street corner. Like, did you hear him? He was really loud. He was saying some pretty holy things. But he says, when you pray, go into your room in secret. And your father who isn't in secret, he will hear you. 
and he will reward you. So what is the reward that you're looking for when, when you're praying? Pray in secret and find your true reward. And what is that reward? It's, it's God himself. It's the fact that you can abide with him. It's about, it's about the fact that you can be right there with him, hearing his voice, listening to him. And he also gives us another clue. He's like, look, those people out on the street corner, they pray a lot of words. You don't got to pray a lot of words. God already knows what's in your mind. He already knows the words you're about to say. It's not about saying a lot of words. That's not the secret. It's not the secret. Pray simply. Pray earnestly. If he already knows what I'm going to say, then why do I even bother saying it? Why would I even bother praying if he already knows what, I, what I'm going to say? It's because prayer is a lot more than just the words. It's about abiding with him. It's about being with him. So pray to be with him. And then he gives us the Lord's Prayer. And I'm probably going to oversimplify this, but he tells us to pray to glorify him. He tells us to pray that we would see God's kingdom on earth. He tells us to pray that he would only give us what we need. Not everything we want, just that he would give us what we need. He tells us to pray for forgiveness. And he tells us to pray to forgive others also. He tells us to pray for protection and for strength. It's not super complicated. Not, it's not super twisted or, or contrived. It's, it's fairly simple. But it's difficult still. It's difficult to get our eyes off of ourselves, our eyes off of the world, and to get our eyes on Jesus, to get our eyes on what God has in store for us. But what are you looking for when you pray? What are you hoping to accomplish? See, prayer isn't about what you're hoping hoping to accomplish. Prayer is about what God is hoping to accomplish in you. If you want 2021 to matter, turn and see your sin. Recognize it for what it is and pray. Draw near to him. I uh, recently got to... I work at the Sinar Community Center down here on Sunrise, and so I get to uh, spend a lot of time with some teenagers who... uh, haven't really been around church, probably don't have a whole lot going for them as far as their family goes. Some of them have great families and all that, but, um, but we, I, was got, I got to talk to some of the high school boys, and, and, uh, and we were talking about this. We were talking about the, the separation and the fact that, that I can turn and I can, um, I can see my sin, and then, and then God forgives me uh, of that sin, and and I, I just had to tell them. I had, I had to tell them that at one point I didn't think that my sins were that bad. At one point, I thought I was the person with the smaller debt. And nothing changed in my, in my circumstances around me. I, I had been going to church. I didn't really do anything that much worse. I only had the cops called on me one time. Like, <laughs> it wasn't... Not like... <laughs> It's not like things were getting terrible in my life, but I re- it didn't look like it, at least. <laughs> but what happened is God changed my heart. 
And he said, you think your sin is just this small little thing that you did. But no, your sin is the fact that you have been running from me and rebelling and going away. Stop going away. Turn around and come back. Turn around and come back. When, when we recognize that any sin at all is separation, and the separation is what grieves God's heart, when we recognize that any sin, if God forgives me of any sin at all, then he has forgiven me of the greater debt. And if we recognize that, that, that we are separated from him and he's forgiven that separation, that's when things change. That's when things start to change because all of a sudden uh, my eyes are open to say, oh, man, I, this, is, this is worse than I thought. When, when I was really coming to Jesus uh, when I was 20, I grew up at church, but when I was really getting close to him, I, I read a book um, uh, called The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. And um, the first chapter is talking of, of, about the... Uh, the likelihood that Jesus actually was crucified. Is, is it possible that he really died when he was crucified? Some people call it the swoon theory that, oh, I think he was on the cross. He definitely was on the cross. There's historical evidence for that, but did he really die? I think he was up there and he fainted. And then they put him in the tomb and then he woke up. So, I mean, he woke up after a three-day nap. <laughs> it's not, not that impressive. He slept for a weekend. Um, and so an, an archaeologist goes through a Roman crucifixion and, and what actually happens. And is there any possible way that someone could have lived through that? The answer is no. Um, there's not a chance. If, if Jesus lived through the crucifixion, then the Roman soldiers who were crucifying, would, crucifying him, they would have been executed. They wouldn't have done it. It's just, it's just not something that would have happened. But he goes through all of this evidence of what a Roman crucifixion goes, uh, what a Roman crucifixion looks like, and um, and so they get through all of the, the gory details, and and then the author is, is asking this archaeologist and, and and just saying, man, why why would someone have done that? Like, why would someone have chosen that? Um, and the archaeologist says, there's only one reason why anyone would put themselves on that cross. There's only one thing that could have hold, held him to that cross without giving up, um, and it's love. The only thing that could have held him to that cross is love. And I was 20, I was sitting on my bed, I was reading that book, and, and to think that, that Jesus loved me so much, to think that he cared about me so much, and, and, and I had this sin that was worth dying for, a sin that was so costly that it should have costed me my death. And Jesus took that upon himself instead because he loved me so much. I, I you know, <laughs> sitting on my bed and I just, I just lost it. And I just said, God, I, I've looked at it so wrong for so long to think that I could take care of my own sin. That I could cover it. That I could figure it out. But I can't. It's too big of a gap. I, I don't have the money to pay my debt. Jesus is the only one who's capable. Jesus is the only one who has even a chance to take care of the sin. Not only of me, but the sin of the world. <laughs> when you recognize that your sin is truly grievous, that your sin is truly 
a large gap, um, that's when things start to change. That's when God starts to work inside of our hearts. That's step one. And then step two is to pray. Draw near to him. Hear his voice. Spend time in prayer like you never have before. Maybe you spend more time just asking him, would you speak to me? Would you allow me to be near to you? Um, But then also pray continually, which doesn't mean that you pray the Lord's Prayer 52,000 times every day to fill up every second of time. But, But if you're praying continually, it means that you are abiding with the Father. Like Jesus says in John chapter 15, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Abide in me, and I will abide in you. Be with him, be connected to him, and you can pray continually. These are the two steps to ensuring that 2021 will matter. No other achievement is going to matter. You could, you could get like the greatest accolades. You could make a million dollars this year and die. And die very rich and very famous. And still die. Or, we can make 2021 really matter and begin to truly live. And begin to truly live. This is something that I talk about in the youth group a lot. It, it's, you, could, you could exist. You could be breathing, and that's fine. Okay, that's existence. But if you want to truly live... That takes knowing your purpose and responding to the creator who has a purpose for you. Truly live. You could begin to truly live this year. So the question is kind of, what are you going to do? Oops, sorry, that was an old point. Prayers abiding in God. Don't miss out on 2021. What are you going to do with 2021? If you're new to the church and you're not so sure what you think about Jesus yet, uh, a simple question is, are you going to repent? What are you going to do? Are you going to turn to face your sin? Are you going to turn to see the separation between you and God? Are you going to recognize it? Or are you going to stay like the Pharisee with their back? Saying, yeah, 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 no, no, no. I, I can believe whatever I want about my sin if, if I'm not looking at it. I can believe that it's not, not a big deal. It's not that big of a gap. I'm actually still pretty close. I could turn around. I could step back whenever I want. You can believe whatever you want about your sin when you're not looking at it. The question is, will you repent? Will you turn? Will you see the face of your father? Will you see the anguish in his eyes because he's far away from you and he wants you to be near to him? Will you turn? And if you do love Jesus and, and you're not new to this whole thing, then the question is, will you repent again? <laughs> because, because even as we grow in Christ, we still have areas that, man, did I ever really submit that to him when I was first saved? Um, let's recognize our sin. Let's not be blind to it. Let's listen to the voice of our Father. Let's turn to his face and let's see the thing that's separating us. And secondly, will you pray and listen to God's voice? Because he wants to speak to you. He wants to remind you the truth about who he is. He wants to remind you the truth about who you are. Um, And he also wants to lead you by his Holy Spirit into an adventure of a life that that involves totally trusting him. He might want to tell you some things about the future, but he wants to tell you things about right now. 
He wants to direct you right now with what, with what you should do. I think it's his dirty little secret because he doesn't want to tell you too much about the future. He wants to tell you about right now so that you'll stay with him, so that you'll be near to him, so you'll stay with him. <laughs> but will you pray and listen to his voice and discover what he has for you for this year? I want to invite the worship team back up. Um, we're going to... Uh, have an opportunity to respond, to really consider these questions. Maybe it's an opportunity to pray and just say, God, I do want to give you everything. God, I do want to give you uh, my whole life. God, I do want to turn and face my sins, see your face and see this gap. And, and I want to close the gap. <laughs> and I'm incapable. And ask for forgiveness again and say, God, would you close that gap for me? Would you forgive me of that sin? It's also an opportunity for us to respond in song, to say, Lord, I want to give you even my voice. So let me pray for us and we'll sing together. Lord God, I, I thank you. Uh, I thank you for today, Lord. I thank you that you have forgiven us uh, of more than we could ever imagine, Lord. Help us to, to understand, Lord. Help us to understand our rebellion. Help us to understand how far away we have run, God. For those of us who already love you, God, help us to remember what it is that you saved us from. God, help us to remember those first moments when you called, our, when you called us, we heard your voice, we turned and saw you, God. God, help us to draw near to you again. Lord, help us to hear your voice. Help us to be people who would pray, who would not want 2021 to to be a waste, but God, we would desire that your will would be done, your kingdom would, would be here on earth because we are obeying you, God, because we are trusting you as our king. Lord, would you help us to hear your voice and to respond? Lord, we love you, and we just pray for all of this, trusting that you hear us, God, and, and we pray that you would be glorified. We pray in Jesus' name.